Welcome to the show, everyone. Tennessee Wildcast, good to have you here again. Looking forward to another show. If you've ever wanted to be an officer before, well, we'll get to that in just a minute. Anyway, I'm Doug Markham. This is Jason Harmon. Hello, Jason. How's it going, Doug? Show number 10. Oh, you kidding? Yeah, we're on a roll. All right, show number 10. Got to get some folks out here. If you you figure out how good this is and all this information is that you're going to get, you'll be coming here every week wanting to know what's going on with your agency in Tennessee, and that's what we're trying to get done, right? Yeah, if you're watching or listening right now, tell your friends about it. Try to get them out here and... Yeah. Check it out. We've got some good folks on here. Todd Mazoris is here. He's in the background helping us out as always. Todd's always appreciated. Eric Anderson is here. We'll get to Eric in a minute. Eric is a wildlife officer in Sumner County. Good morning. Good morning, Eric, or whatever time it might be, wherever you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've had a lot of discussion about that. It's morning anyway. here, but, you know, you yeah. can watch this anytime. Anytime. That's it. All the shows that you haven't heard yet, if you're just finding this show for the first time, haven't heard them or seen them, they're all out there. Every show, we're going to keep them out there mm-hmm. over the time. So we started with the director here a little while back and the assistant director, and then now we're working with everybody we can find, even wildlife officers like Eric Anderson. Yeah. So Eric's a good officer and also a good videographer and a lot of other stuff. Eric wears a lot of hats, and we're going to talk about that in a while. Okay. First of all, though, you got some stuff. Yeah, let's, uh, let's recap some stuff that's been going on. Uh, first off, I want to talk about Tagboard. We started this new thing called Tagboard. Uh, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Vine, there's a lot of them out there. But if you're on those uh, platforms, you can hashtag TN Wildlife and get your photo on our tag board. Now, if you want to submit a trophy for the trophy room, hashtag that photo with TN Trophy Room, and it'll go to our uh, trophy room. So, so that's it. The thing that looks like a tic-tac-toe mark, right? Or a yeah, number mark. Yeah, yeah. just All the right. number sign and, and TN Trophy Room or TN Wildlife. And, and, and we'll feature them and we'll... We'll prove them and get them up there on the board, and you can see them right there at our website, tnwildlife.org. And we ought to start showing a photo. We will on here or two every week. And um, I will say that I looked at the um, the trophy room the other day, and I saw some great fish on there. A lot of bass getting caught, a lot of smallmouth, largemouth, yep. crappie too, but we're getting some good photographs across the state of those things. It's that time of year. Okay. What else you got? Uh, turkey season is, is about to wind down. I think we've got a week or so left, and uh, I've had no luck so far. But, <laughs> Eric, how you been doing out there? It's been tough. I've harvested one bird and been on a few successful hunts, but uh, for different reasons, it's been a challenging hunt for me, uh, several hunts for me, mainly because my main hunting spot right next door was logged. Mm. So that obviously changes Whoops. the dynamics of where they roost and stuff. But it's been a, had a, a few really cool hunts, and well, I'm hearing a lot of success stories and seeing a lot of good pictures and seeing some really neat birds. Yeah. Right. So awesome. we'll, we'll see what the final tally is here in a week or so. He got to the 15th to hunt birds 15th. in Tennessee, and then it'll be over until next year, except mm-hmm. for a fall season. And we're going to show you fall dates here in a little bit, uh, a turkey yeah. season coming up. But we got Let's go ahead and recap some of what happened at the commission meeting the other day because folks have until Sunday, this coming Sunday, which is for this show is May the 8th, to make comments to the agency on what you'd like to see as far as changes next year in the hunting regulations and i've read a lot of the comments out there and folks got some ideas now whether they happen is one thing or not but you're making these comments these comments will go to our wildlife division which will also share it with the commission yeah so. and if you want to if you want to be at the meeting and participate and come make comments there you can uh it's going to be at the gossip center at aedc may 12th and 13th and like you said may 8th is the last day to uh comment comment on the on it you know through it our website easy to do go through the website again tmwildlife.org if you go into the newsroom lee wilmot did a long story on it and you can click on right within that story and, and or at the top where we have the sliding banner across you can click on that and make your comments uh, it's just an email that goes right there right 
That's it. Okay. That's it. All right. You got some season dates? And yeah, let's we'll pull up, up some slides, and I'll cut to that on the screen so y'all can see that. Um, but uh, the fall turkey season this next year has been recommended. Uh, uh, I think we're going from six birds to three birds. So you'll have three birds this year in some counties. Okay, yeah. And understand that's in southern – that's in middle Tennessee, rather, and most of that's in middle Tennessee, and that's because there are some issues there that the agency is looking at, and they want to reduce some bag limits. Uh, but the fall season, that's just Middle Tennessee. A lot of the rest of the state's going to remain the same, but that's only for the fall. Right. And then in, and there's one, I think, uh, or two counties that's going three to one. So just make L- note of that. L- Lewis and Lincoln. Yeah, that's and, the recommendation. And that may change. Probably going to happen. This next uh, week, you know, yeah. if Could, the commission changes their mind, but that's probably what's going to happen. And, like and I will say, reading some of the comments, there are folks out there that want the agency looking at a lot of the comments to reduce bag limits. That's one of the concerns. Don't know if it happened because statewide, I think the turkey hunters are having a good year this year, mm-hmm. statewide. But there are areas of some concern. All right, do you have what else you got? Yeah, let's go on to the next slide. Um, looks like what's next here? Oh, the deer proposed deer seasons. Uh, look out, there's going to be a couple of new units possibly, and uh, some more opportunities for antlers antlerless harvests uh, across the state. So. Just take note of that. and That's also on the website. Yep. Real easy to go find and look at on the website. And <clears throat> I do want to remind everyone that the, that the agency is also looking at possibly creating another definition for antlerless deer. That's something that the commission has asked the agency to look at. Right now it's deer that have no antlers or have them less than three inches. And I don't know what that means for the hunters exactly. If it changes, it might mean you have to be more careful mm-hmm. at what you aim at if yep. you don't want to fill that two-buck limit real quick. Right. Right? Yep. Okay. Be careful. All right. You got anything else? Yeah, let's keep going. There's a few more slides. All right. This is uh, duck coots and mergansers, uh, different season opening and close dates. Per, or this is actually set. This is mm-hmm. this was set at the That's last right, meeting. That's right. Correct. Uh, so real foot duck zone seasons are set. and. All the way, remainder of the state. Everything's set. Yeah, everything's set. Just take note of that. Go to the next one, Todd, if you don't care. There's the migratory bird seasons. All those dates are set, open and closed, and your bag limits. And all this is on the website and uh, tnwildlife.org. Easy to find. Easy to find. And and some folks may still be surprised. We had Joe Benedict on last week that the duck season has been set. Waterfowl, this is new. The federal uh, guidelines came out earlier this year. I think they're able to look at their numbers now and go ahead and forecast on out and feel confident that the ducks are still going to be there. So now you can go ahead and start making your plans if you want to go duck hunting because the season is set. And this is going to be the same way, I think the next coming years is going to be set this time every right. every season yeah so. so that just makes it easy now and eventually that could possibly be all rolled into one big hunting guide that goes out we don't know that for sure yet joe benedict talked about that last year and wasn't sure what was going to happen but it's a possibility right. and yeah so there you go and let's go go to one more slide i think we got the the uh sandhill crane season's been set there'll be a three-day closure uh for the sandhill crane festival but the season has been set and i think uh still 400 uh, packets, three permits per packet, twelve hundred total permits. So yeah, and look for that to change next year. This yeah. is mm-hmm. this is sort of an, still an experimental season, and twelve hundred per- permits are mostly going over in the area near where the San Sandel Green Festival is held. But they're going to try to make it more statewide mm-hmm. starting next year, and uh, look for more permits to begin going across the state yeah. if, if everything goes as planned right now. I think the hunting seasons may try to stay in the same area, but. More permits. More permits. Yeah, the there you go. Yeah. Right. That's correct. Good job. All right. All right. Good. You got anything else? I don't know. Go to see if there's another slide. I can't remember. We got so many seasons. Keep going. Yeah. That's it. 
All right. Okay. That's it. All right. Thank you, Todd. Thanks. All right. Well, good deal. So there you go. There's your opportunity to comment. Let us know. Let the agency know how you feel and uh, um, stay up on what's going on. And don't forget, Commission Meeting next week. If you want to be there, you can be there. But if you want to watch it, it's be on tnwildlife.org. You can watch it right there after the meeting. It's not live, but it'll be up. Well, yeah. A few hours later. It's hard for know. people to get off a lot and go to a Thursday, Friday meeting. But it is at the Gossick Center. Starts at 1 o'clock the first day, I think, and mm-hmm. 9 o'clock the next day, right? Next morning, yeah. Okay. And, or drag your boat along if you want to because it's right beside Woods Reservoir. Yeah. Normandy's right down the road, and Tim's Ford isn't much further. So it's a yeah. great place to go down and if you're going to a commission meeting, right? Go fishing a little All bit. All right. All right. Let's talk to Eric. Yeah, sure. All They're right. Good to have Eric in the in the studio this morning. All right. Eric Anderson is a wildlife officer in Sumner County. He worked as a boating officer. Yes, sir. And you've worked as an officer over in um, uh, Murray County? Murray County for a couple of years. Yeah. And in Scott County. In Scott County. I forgot about Scott County. Yep. You were that's over where, there that's where I began my, my full-time assignment was in Scott County for a year. Okay. All right. Well, it's got you good timing on you, Eric. We walked by. There's a bunch of young, nervous uh, guys and gals out in the lobby here. They're all getting ready to go in and be interviewed for a job that you've got sure so yeah I, I passed some of those young men out there and I, I it wasn't too long ago it seems like that i was one of those nervous individuals sitting and anticipating my interview and getting amped up looking forward to an opportunity yeah well that, let's we get lots of questions there if we go set up at a boating show or a hunting show or a fishing show people are always asking how do i become a wildlife officer perfect time and how did you become a wildlife officer and, and what path do most people take well um that's a good question because my path was a little bit different right. than the, the normal path and if it's a young student in high school wanting to pursue this career i always encourage them at the time they're in school any volunteer work they can do that is wildlife related whether it be with the officer in their county or with the club or with any type of um, conservation oriented program to volunteer and document that those volunteer efforts and then of course the college is the main is the main thing that you have to have the, the the main requirement is a college degree so that could be in the field related to wildlife wildlife management obviously fisheries um any number of things biology is one of the things so anything you can get in college a four-year degree is the main requirement and then from that point going forward while you're in college more volunteer work join organizations just be active get to know the officer in your county get to know wildlife instructors just really get your name out there and show interest at a very young age and document anything you do so that when you graduate you have uh, kind of a resume already built up and you have that degree and you've already made some contacts and and that's a good way to to begin the the process of becoming a wildlife officer i've noticed through the years watching officers come and go and that some years there's five or six slots i think this year there's only five or well, no, I believe there's more there's than, a, is, is it right? I think it's five slots this year. Five yes, slots, sir. and there's. I was told the other day, 185 people had applied for those. It's not always like that, okay? Don't right. want to scare anybody. But some years there are 20 slots that are open, and it does. Yeah, it, it varies year to year. The year I was hired, I believe there were eight slots, and then two years before that, there may have been 10, and then of course it fluctuates more or less year to year. And you are competing against a lot of smart individuals in the for state sure. that wants the same job you want. And that's why I really try to encourage folks to do that volunteer work, set yourself apart during the time you're in high school and college. So when the interview time comes, you can present to the the interviewers all the work that you've done and uh, they can, they can just put you in a, in a different category maybe than someone else that hasn't had that effort put forward. Okay. I know your path was a little bit different. I remember you working hard and and going to school back in the days. You actually went to David Lipscomb, I think, and got a video degree. Mass communications communications, degree. Yeah. I graduated from Lipscomb with mass communications, was lucky enough to begin here 
in one room over from where we're sitting right now as a part-time position, a videographer, media producer, which was a, a lot of interest I had at that time and still do in videography and outdoor and hunting and filming hunts and, you know, adventures outside. But during that time, I was exposed to the, the wildlife officers here locally um, as they went out on their boating patrols. And we, were, we were documenting some of their efforts to do, uh, do law enforcement on a, on a boat. And during that, when I was out there with them, I just fell in love with what they did, was able to talk to them. And that inspired me to, uh, to take the necessary steps to go back to school and get the degree that was required. So I went to MTSU and actually graduated from MTSU in 2007. Okay. All right. MTSU may be an option, but most, most of the officers that I meet here, they, there's schools that have big wildlife programs and big fisheries programs in that are in Tennessee. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of Tennessee Tech, UT Martin over in West Tennessee, UT Knoxville, UT Knoxville. and then Lincoln Memorial way over in East Tennessee, small Correct. college over there. Mm-hmm. Is that where most folks go or can they take the path to MTSU or how does, how does it happen mostly with everybody you talk to? It's, um, by far, you're right. Most of the officers went straight from high school into college and pursued that wildlife degree, mm-hmm. and that carries them to those schools you mentioned. In my instance, I was in my mid-20s. I'd already had one college degree, right. and so uh, and I was married. And uh, just in, in my for my circumstance, I couldn't move and go to those cities to go full-time. So uh, right down the road at the time, I was living here in Nashville, and I just drove to MTSU every day for two years and uh, was able to complete my degree requirement. Got what you needed there. Correct. Okay, all right. And there is a personnel department at the TWRA that can talk to you exactly what you need and a website and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But you did more than that. You went to somewhere after you did all that college training, right? Well, right in in between those two windows, I actually, um, and it goes back to that time I spent on a boat with the wildlife officers here, they have what's called, we have what's called uh, part-time or seasonal boating officers. And these are officers that are, they're largely full-time officers in other agencies, maybe county deputies, police officers in cities. And they'll work with us, our agency, to help out during those high traffic months of boating. So they'll come and work part-time. And for that requirement uh, to work as a part-time officer, you uh, need to be post-certified as a, a certified officer of the state of Tennessee. So that, again, was a was a path I took to kind of set myself apart knowing my long-term goal was full-time. So I went to uh, put myself through the police academy. I got hired as a part-time boating officer as I returned to school. So by the time I was done with my degree at MTSU, I had already worked for the agency in a part-time position for, uh, I think, four years in law enforcement. So that definitely gave me some, some experience to carry into my interview to talk about what would set me apart from other applicants and definitely benefited me in the long run. Okay. All right. You are going to have to take, though, if, if if you get in to this agency, after you've done all your college, Eric is saying you've got to go to the Law Enforcement Academy. It's another eight weeks of worker, give or take. I believe it's ten weeks. Ten and, weeks. And, and wow. one, yeah, once you get hired as a full-time officer, you'll be in a, a class of your other fellow officers that are hired, and we begin a training process that uh, you'll go through multiple weeks of in-agency training that covers – all kinds of stuff, boating, firearms, ATV, laws, just, just a lot of, a lot of information a wildlife officer needs at their, as their foundation. And then somewhere in there, uh, cause it changes yearly with the calendar at the police academy, but you will at some point attend the state police academy with other officers from other agencies. And you must complete that. It's a, I believe 10 weeks that you attend that academy. And once you get out of uh, the police academy, you've done your in-house training, begins, you'll begin our uh, FTO, field training officer program, where the new new officer will be assigned with a field training officer for, and I may, don't quote me on this, I believe it's a period of around 
12 to 15 weeks. And that's when you say a field, an experienced officer. Correct. It'll okay. be an experienced right. officer yeah. that, uh, that you'll go through in the daily. They document what you do, train you, expose you to new things. And those 12 to 15 weeks will, will carry you into different seasons. So you may begin in the summer and then you'll, um, going to deer season. So it kind of overlaps different times. But the great thing about our agency is we, even after you complete all of that initial training, the training never stops. There's always ongoing training for seasoned wildlife officers. I was in a class the past two days with seasoned officers from across the state, just always learning, always being exposed to new things. Okay. All right. So expect a lot of education when you come in here. And uh, the college degree is vital. It, have that it. is vital. That is the one the one piece you must have in order to be considered for a to, for a position as a wildlife officer. Okay. All right. Now you 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 have settled in Sumner County, and this brings to mind that when you apply for this agency, most of the time you don't you're not placed where you came from. Uh, you have worked your way back to close to where you grew up. But that's not that takes a long time if it happens at all. Correct. It took me about six years, and that was always my goal to get back home. I grew up in Sumner County. I have family there. Have, uh, my my hunting farm is there. So obviously there was a draw for me to return. And when I got hired, um, literally the day I interviewed, I knew that if I got the opportunity, that um, I'd be going somewhere across the state that I'd never in a place I'd never lived at before. It could have literally been from Shelby County around Memphis all the way over to Scott County. It just so happened that I was sent to uh, Scott County as my first assignment. So you have to be prepared for that. You, you, you're you probably going to have to move. Okay. All right. And you also need to be prepared because you may be doing, you may be spending a lot of time on the water or you may be spending a lot of time on the land, depending on what your county is. And if you are in a county that's pretty dry, you may be doing some details that send you over to one that's a little wetter, right? That, that's exactly right. Scott County was a great example, and that was a, a really neat experience for me because Scott County is one of the very, very few counties in the state that has deer, turkey, elk, and bear all wow. in the same county really? and not much water. So when they're in the boating season, I would actually drive over to Dale Hollow Lake, which is two counties over, and, and work with those officers in Pickett, Clay County, and do my boating patrols there and then uh, come home every day. So you will have to travel a little bit depending on how your, your county lays out. Okay, all right. Now, you're in Sumner County. You have big old Hickory Lake out there, so you're doing a lot of boating. But you also have a pretty good deer county out there and pretty good turkey county out there, so you're doing dividing your time pretty good. Absolutely. It's it's one of the counties. Uh, it, of course, I'm very biased because I grew up there, but I, it's got everything you want from a sportsman and a wildlife officer standpoint. We've got old Hickory Lake, as you said. So much you can do out there, recreational fishing, and then with our, our deer hunting and turkey hunting is always has been in the past year or two in the top five in the state as far as harvest numbers. And when you look at deer hunting specifically, some absolutely giant deer are being harvested in Sumner County. Yep. Uh, with the quickest example that some folks may have heard about was a, a, a case two, from two years ago where a, a deer was illegally harvested and that deer uh, grossed uh, measurement a Boone and Crockett score of 198 and three quarter inches. You were instrumental in that case. I remember that you and and Andy Rush, the officer and, over in Sumner County, Allen. and Todd Allen were very instrumental in that case. That deer, by the way, that deer mount. The, at least one thing came out of it, and as we have it down in our regional mm-hmm. two office, it's a beautiful specimen. Unfortunately, it was illegally killed. Right. Um, but it, it is a, it is an example, as you said, of some of the big deer. Is that because you're alongside Kentucky? Is that anything to do with that, do you think? Or just good wildlife officer management right there in the county? <laughs> I don't think I have anything to do with it, to be honest. But I think it's mul- there's a lot of different reasons, and that could carry us down into a conversation about yeah, deer management, on it, on obviously. It, but um, I believe in Sumner County, you've got a combination of 
education of hunters passing these deer. You've got a lot of ground around urban environments where these deer can live, there grow, flourish, and there's not a lot of hunting pressure. And uh, But that deer, I believe, was around five and a half years old, free-ranging deer. And like you said, the one good thing that came out of that is that deer's mounted here at the office, and you can look up and see what Tennessee can produce can. at any given time. And where he was harvested was about... I don't know, 25 miles from the state line of Kentucky. So I wouldn't attribute him at all to Kentucky. That is a Tennessee deer through and through. And just an example of we can, we can do it. I mean, these deer are here. The genetics are here. If the right steps and nutrition are, are put in place, we can harvest. And Sumner County is a pretty good farming community still, too, right? Not, not necessarily Hendersonville, where that deer came out of, right. probably, but the county itself still has a lot of farmland. And that, that's another reason I love it is you've got parts of the county near Robertson that mm-hmm. the terrain is relatively flat, lots of agriculture. You go from north of Hendersonville towards Portland and Westmoreland. You have a ridge system that goes through, lots of just steep ridges, terrains. And as you get up on top of that, near Kentucky, it goes back to an agriculture mix so we like i'm biased but we, we've really got it all from hunting and fishing and, and from my uh job perspective okay all right and if you're hearing some stuff in the background we're in the process of moving zoom out of this office a lot of work going on at twa so you may hear some some banging in the background yeah it's all the women wanting to get in see eric right <laughs> <laughs> all right eric let's talk a little bit about about boating uh, it's that time of year we got memorial day coming up you're on a big lake where there's almost always a drowning death or two a year, unfortunately, but not always. You've been out there when that stuff happens. I, I have, I wish I had a dollar for every time I said wear your life jacket. Would, in your estimation, life jackets save lives of these people most of the time if they had them on? Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's a lifesaver. There's just no other way to really expound that, what you said. You wear your life jacket, it could save your life. It's just that simple. But yet we see all the time uh, not all the time we see a consistent number of individuals that, that don't even have them on their boats and that that becomes back to an enforcement thing where we uh, we have to issue citations and remind people you need to have you have to have your life jackets by state law on your vessels right what about and and if i were an officer i'm not but the ticket i'd write the quickest if i if there was a 12 year old or under on a boat without a life jacket on are most folks realizing that it's mandatory now if that boat's moving we still encounter that where a, a child does not wearing their life jacket. And that is, you're right, a time where I will issue citations. A lot of our officers issue citations. Uh, but I think it's in the minority. There's there's many, many good educated uh, boaters that are using yeah. our waterway that even at times where they may not have a, a fire extinguisher or a throw cushion, but that child is in a life jacket. So I would not say it's the majority by any means, but we do encounter it from time to time. And, and that you're right, that's the time where we will issue a citation. Okay, well, it's getting getting ready to get busy. This is this is the time where schools are about to let out, and you happen to be working on one of the lakes that is in the top ten in the United States as far as recreational boating goes. So you're really busy over there all summer long. Already busy. Matter already of fact, with, with this year, it's already gotten warm, as you know, in uh, mid-April. We had some 80-degree days. So knowing that, we always, the wildlife officers, maximize our time to contact hunters, fishermen, and boaters. So I felt like I needed to be on the water. So myself and other officers got out. And uh, two Saturdays ago, it was so pretty. It, and just to get on the water and look across the landscape, you would think it was 4th of July. There were there were houseboats, cruisers, people intertubing. Uh, PWCs, fishermen. It was just an incredibly busy day. 
and uh, we just went out, did our, our vessel safety inspections, and uh, and ca- talked to a lot of these people. So it's already started, and it, it begins a long boating season. Okay, and just just real quick, what are what's mandatory you have to have on mo- on all boats? Not not getting into the big cabin cruisers and larger, but what do you have to have on all boats? Uh, the simplest way to put it is one life jacket for every person on board. That's from a kayak or a, or a paddle board all the way up to your houseboats. Then as you get into different boat classes, which most boats fall into that 16-foot and larger category, you need to have a fire extinguisher. If you have an enclosed gas tank, which most boats do unless you have a John boat, you have to have a type, a throwable device, a Type 4 throwable device, which is the... I, when people when I say that to someone that doesn't know what it is, I describe it as something you would sit on at a. It looks like something you'd sit on at a football game with handles, okay. or a ring buoy. And the purpose of it is to throw out to someone that's in distress because it's like a frisbee. You can just pitch it out there. So you have to have one of those at for nighttime navigation lights, obviously, uh, for these vessels. Um, do, do you feel like they're they're doing the nighttime stuff? Or most people running their lights like they're supposed to at night? Most are. Yeah. Most are. I, I do encounter a few that. Uh, especially in the heat of the summer, some fishermen that, that are maybe fishing a tournament, for example. I don't want to just say it's bass fishermen, but the light on the back, they feel like they attracting like bugs. And, yeah. yeah, so they'll flip them off, so we have to go over and talk to them, remind them, hey, this could save your life because you may have an intoxicated individual coming down the lake and, and not see them, obviously, right. and run them over. Are you seeing more inflatable jackets out there? Quite a few. Yeah. seeing quite a few of them, and I think that's a trend. They're becoming more affordable, and they're more available. So we are seeing them more on our, the fishermen are using them, the guys that are out there hardcore fishing all day in the heat. They're, they're using them and um, seeing different varieties, even the, the belt packs. I'm seeing a lot of those out there on the water. All right. Let's, let's talk about education. We've hit on, you know, educating people to wear their life jackets, but as an officer, y'all do hunter ed, boat ed, and a bunch of stuff. Just talk about that and some of the educational fairs y'all do and stuff like that. You're right. It, it's, it's a, a large, selection of things we do and we'll anything from the traditional hunter education class or a field day we did several of those in sumner county to uh, events for young children tanner romsdale asked me to come help him with the the farmer farm days i believe it's what it's called it's in lebanon and you can watch that on on region two's facebook barry did an excellent yeah, video to show that with uh tanner uh danielle neal our officer in trousdale county and caleb stratton we all pitched in because we talked to over the course of two days 1400 children and Basically had a table set up with all of our a uh, lot of our mammals here in Tennessee and furs and let them talk to them about those and let them touch the hides and just interact with the kids and it just blows their mind. They've a lot of them have never seen a raccoon up close. So we do stuff like that. Do a lot of uh, civic events. We also go out and do public programs, whether it be radio, television. There's some guys in East Tennessee that, that do a, a weekly or monthly television show. Uh, you know, local deal. Boating education, it's just ongoing, and that, that doesn't just happen one time a year. We, we would have to change gears from an enforcement standpoint, maybe on a boating weekend to that, that very next Monday, going into a classroom and right. talking to kids. And it's not just the little ones. We'll talk to high school uh, students also. As a matter of fact, today when, when I leave my visit with y'all, I'm going to go to Hendersonville and assist Carl McCoy. He's one of our top educators in the state. He's a uh, part-time boating officer with us in Hendersonville. He works as a sergeant in Sumner County, but he – he goes in on his own time and, and does boating education classes for high school students in Hendersonville because there's a great need there right. being right next to the water. So not only full-time wildlife officers, but our part-time officers also go out and educate. But it is ongoing. It's 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 a, a very large piece of, of what we do. It's not We're not solely wild, law enforcement all the time. You, you have to go out and educate right. folks. Real quick, it's season. Uh, when do you start your hunter ed classes normally? When are the bulk of those happening? 
tradition i can speak for sumner county we'll do some in january february and march <laughs> leading up to the turkey season mm -hmm. um we get really busy from april through the summertime as you can imagine so we try to have some late august maybe right before um dove season and then definitely try to have a field day or a class before deer season begins and i know i thought about this too when you talk about the officers at the schools and stuff job fairs do y'all do ride-alongs and things like that just we don't do ride-alongs. They did at one point, but for different reasons. We uh, mainly safety reasons. We don't do a, a ride-along, but we do give opportunities for students to come out and volunteer on projects. A good example is banding geese once a year. When we get with the biologist, uh, round up some geese. We always need extra hands to hold the geese and do different things. So we invite students out, and that goes back to what I was saying: documenting volunteer work. We invite some students out in the wildlife field, and they'll help us out. So they can do that. We do job fairs. Danielle uh, came to Sumner County, uh, I believe, about three weeks weeks ago on a day that I was tied up on another project and she did a job fair at Hendersonville High School and talked to students all day about her path and her career as a wildlife officer. So we definitely uh, go out and try to not only educate these classes, like you said, but give them an opportunity to know how do I get, how do I do what you're doing? All right. That's awesome. All right. And we're going to run out of time here because I want to go back to where we began. When, when uh, in the future, some of these youngsters may be out here still in high school watching this. When do most of the interviews take place for the agency? Is it usually about this time of year every year? It is. It's usually around May to June. Sometimes it's in July. But usually um, it's it's in that summertime window, I believe. Because I believe my my interview was uh, was in August, if I remember correctly, back okay. in 2008. All right. And we've got about a minute left. Turkey season's almost wrapping down. It's almost over. But you still got a week, a little bit more than a week to go. Any tips for somebody that over these birds have been hunted and hunted and hunted? I'll tell you exactly how I'm doing it now on the few hunts I've been on recently. Sleeping in. Don't get out there till about 10, 11 o'clock. We've been on goblin birds from 10 o'clock to 2.30 the last three or four times. You've done out. that for several years now. I have, yes. And, and, had you, and you can sleep in because I don't like getting up early, so I can sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to learn a tip, right? All right, yeah. Jason. Eric, thanks a lot. We'll get you back on here sometime. I've enjoyed did, it. Thanks for having me. You did a great job. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Right. Yeah, don't, uh, don't forget, go to tmwildlife.org. You can find us there. It'll get you to the audio version, to the video version. You can watch, listen. And just keep and, coming back. And not just the show. We're putting all kinds of video on the top of our website now yes. about this agency. All kinds of videos. So go to tnwildlife.org and watch them, all right? Yep. All right. Anything else? Uh, tag board. Tag board tag and your Facebook. photos. TN Wildlife, or TN, hashtag TN Wildlife, hashtag TN Trophy Room. You can write all the stuff. Facebook, too. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you all.